Welcome to the Everyday Ultra Podcast, a show designed to help you level up your training, crush your races, and ultimately become a better endurance athlete every single day. Whether you're an endurance athlete as a hobby or someone who wants to be the best in the sport, this is the show for you. I'm your host, Joe Corsion, and thank you so much for listening. Now, let's get into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Corsione, and we're going to be diving into the Black Canyon 100K 2023 edition here on the podcast here. Now, I had just raced Black Canyon about a few days ago. It is the Monday after Black Canyon as of I'm recording this, so Monday, February 20th, and the race was this past Saturday. And uh, I'm going to be here recapping my race, my day at the Black Canyon 100K, a little bit of takes on the overall field as well, um, and recaps as well. So uh, diving in pretty fresh uh, off of my takeaways and lessons and suggestions, and then also uh, answering any questions that you may have submitted in. Um, First of all, I will say, um, excuse some of the noise in the background here we have uh some people or i should say there's being work done in the apartment where i'm recording right now and it's unusually noisy right now so um apologies if you hear some commotion in the background but we're here anyways we're getting it done that's what we do fuck excuses that's why we're here um so we'll be recapping my race of black canyon but before we dive in i i just want to say i always get so many questions all the time about like what's the best training plan to follow or how do I train smart and how do I like make progressions in a way where I'm not getting injured but I'm also making progress and I always say you want to make sure that you're having a training plan that's crafted specifically for the distance that you're going for your experience level and uh, also by someone who knows what they're talking about and so for me I found throughout my training that uh, Zach Bitter has been the go-to guy for me to go to for any training plan needs or any coaching needs Um, I've been working with him personally as a coach um, for just over a year now going into Black Canyon, going into Javelina 100, and he's been an excellent resource for me. And the cool thing is if you don't want one-on-one coaching and don't want to work with Zach, um, he also has pre-made training plans for pretty much any kind of race distance that you can think of, any kind of background, any kind of experience that you have in running, so uh, and over a specific time frames that fit your specific schedule, um, he has those all available pre-made for you if you know one-on-one coaching is not uh, something that you want to invest in at this time, which is totally okay if you don't want to. Either way, Zach tailors his plan in a way that's going to be able to make you progress safely. It's going to make you progress in a way that you're going to see improvement. And ultimately, it's going to give you all of the workouts, the day-to-day uh, running uh, exercises that you need to do, some guidance, everything along the way that's going to help you to reach your goals. On top of that, with the pre-made training plans, if you want to add on any consultation calls or if you want to even go a step further and get a personalized training plan where he crafts a training plan relative to your schedule, your stress, your job levels, anything like that, you can also go into that option as well. That's the option that I've been doing and working with Zach has helped me to get a top 10 finish at Javelin 100 Mail last year. Um, He's helped me finish Black Canyon at a super stacked and competitive field and really battle some incredible adversity that I faced uh, that you'll hear in this episode for sure. Um, But overall, Zach has been amazing. So if you're looking for a pre-made training plan or a personalized training plan or a coach to work with on your next ultra running journey, I suggest Zach a ton. If you're not familiar with Zach either, he's once held the world record for fastest 100 mile time. Most miles ran in 24 hours and he is known as one of the greatest ultra runners of our time. Um, Also did an amazing episode with him 
if you ever want to listen to it. But regardless, if you're looking for a training plan, if you're looking for a coach, uh, check out Zach. He's the go-to guy for it. You can go to zachbitter.com slash coaching to see all of his options or head to the link in the show notes and click on there. Highly recommend Zach. Anytime someone asks, what do you recommend for a coach? I would say go to Zach or get one of his training plans. You will not regret it, my friends. So I uh, want to give a shout out to Zach. First of all, Zach, thank you so much for all your help and coaching and guidance along the way. Wouldn't have been able to finish Black Canyon without your help, um, especially all of the incredible adversity I faced during the race so uh, shout out to you my friend all right, so Black Canyon 100K. Like I said before, this episode is going to dive into the recap of my race this past Saturday at the Black Canyon 100K. If you're looking into insights on my training block heading into Black Canyon and a little bit more course insights and tips and some general success um, tips to really do well on Black Canyon 100K, we'll be going over that too in this episode as well. But uh, if you're looking for a deeper dive or some extra content, especially around my training, go to the part one episode that I did of the Black Canyon 100K preview. Um, I'll link it in the show notes, but it's a great resource to listen to if you're looking to my specific training. This is going to go over my race day recap, some of my race day tips and takeaways and lessons, because believe me, I had a lot of them out there and uh, answering some questions that were submitted in. So uh, diving into the Black Canyon 100K, um, starting from an overall perspective of how it went for me, um, it was an interesting day to say the very least. It was kind of one of those days where, you know, you wanted an outcome for yourself but didn't quite get there um, because there were just tons of different variables and things that I could have done better and lessons and learnings and unexpected things that I didn't manage as well. Um, that's painful to say, but it's the truth and I want to be as honest as possible with you out here. So uh, there's going to be a lot of lessons and takeaways for me out here so that if you are planning on running Black Canyon 100K or maybe any race in the future, any 100K or 50 mile or 100 mile or whatever that you can learn on from my mistakes and ultimately perform better in your uh, next ultra. So for me, my intention going into Black Canyon 100K is that I really wanted to get a golden ticket. And as everybody knows, this year's race was probably one of the most competitive golden ticket races we've ever seen, probably besides UTMB. And so um, I mean, we had just massive talent on there, both the men's and the women's field. And it was just bringing some of the best ultra endurance athletes in the world um, all into the stage here in Meyer, Arizona. And so um, I knew what I was getting into. I knew it was going to be a tough battle ahead, but I was really, really confident in my ability to go and get a golden ticket on a good day, considering my training was solid. I felt like the fittest I've ever been. I knew the course really well. Everything was kind of clicking for me beforehand. And then once we got to the race, um, the wheels were just not clicking as much as I should have. And I'll kind of go into the, the gory details. And when I say gory, no, I wasn't bleeding like crazy out there. It's just, you know, a metaphor. Um, <laughs> felt gory in my mind for sure. Uh, but I'll go into all those different things, but this was kind of one of those, this is the first time I really had a race where things didn't feel really great at the end. Like it just felt like it wasn't a great race for me. Like Havelina 100, I went for the golden ticket. I didn't get it, but I still got top 10 male, highly competitive field pretty great time on a hundred miler, at least from my perspective and for me. Um, and I felt overall very, very good about it. This one, um, did not feel as great about, um, I think there was a lot of things that I can improve on and do better. And a lot of things that just didn't go my way out there. So before being all vague, let's dive into the details of my day at the black Canyon hundred K starting from the very beginning. So the race starts at 7am at Meyer high school, which is, um, a little bit North of Phoenix, about an hour North of Phoenix of where I currently live. 
And um, it's pretty high up in elevation. So if you're familiar with the course profile of Black Canyon, um, it's a net downhill all the way. And if you look like that first, uh, you know, 20 miles or so is like pretty like screaming downhill. Um, so it starts up higher than it does in Phoenix, meaning it's going to be much, much colder. So getting to the start line, I think the, the temperature was about 32 degrees. It was absolutely frigid out there. And the thing about Black Canyon is like it's such a mindfuck because like you like if you live in Arizona and you're kind of familiar with how the temperature goes throughout the day at Black Canyon sure it's February and sure it only gets about 65 70 degrees during the day but that Arizona sun hits different there's no shade out on the course pretty much anywhere maybe like you know for I don't know a few steps maximum but for the most part you're pretty exposed the sun just hits differently out here it's much brighter it's much more potent um, but that 65 can feel like 80 real quick so if like you're too bundled up in the beginning and you're wearing too many layers like you can heat up real real quick plus at the same time you're going out pretty fast which I'll kind of go into in the beginning so like in the beginning of the race I was kind of in this like mind fuck of like do I wear this extra base layer and just ditch it do I wear gloves do I wear this do I wear that do I wear like my certain thing and I think even just having that mental just kind of like gymnastics that I was playing with myself like should I do this should I do that should I do this like almost making decisions before the race had even started um was kind of mentally taxing to me like right off on the beginning I should have just stuck to my guns and just said hey I'm going to wear this, this is what it's going to be, we're going to go with it, and that's how it's going to go. And I think having that decisive thing would have helped to conserve some mental energy, especially when it came to dealing with things later in the race, um, which really, really would have, I think, helped me a ton. So my suggestion is like, if you have like these like plans beforehand, either decide quickly or have a decision plan beforehand, um, because you don't want to be bouncing around. That was like the first time I'd ever really done that where I've almost like just bounced around like, and it was really anxiety inducing. Um, so I think in the future, you know, when I have any kind of time to race to this, I'm just going to decide on what I'm going to do beforehand and just kind of stick with the plan. And then if I need to adapt, make the decision quickly. Don't just kind of like waffle around and just, you know, sit there like that. Usually I'm pretty quick to be decisive on things, but this was different. I think it was also compounded by the fact that I was pretty nervous going into this race now going into Javelina I was way more excited I wasn't very very nervous out there I was really really excited about that race just looking to have fun like really really confident but this race I felt a lot more anxious I wasn't like talking as much on the drive over with my fiance like I was like kind of like nervous I was shaking a little bit like felt just tons of anxiety and I think a lot of that had to do with just thinking about how stacked this field was and also I had never done a 100k before so um, granted I've done 100 miles so it wasn't like the distance that was scaring me it was more of like the unknown and the intensity and like how to manage the pacing and how it's going to feel and everything like that so like that coupled with like knowing it's a very stacked field was bringing a lot of nerves into me right it was a lot of the uncertainty that was coming into it and I think you know that came with a lot of like placing my focus on the things that I couldn't control over the things that I could control and I think looking back on it now I really just needed to focus on my race my my efforts what I was going to do during the things and just really focus on that that like inner game a lot lot more and so um I think that 
you know, just nerves and worrying definitely also played a toll on top of like the indecisiveness. So like even before the race, I was um, just feeling a little shook. Like even there's like this picture on the start line um, that someone sent over me where I, someone sent me, they're like, Hey, I took this picture from you, you know, uh, at the start line. And I took a look at it and I just look so freaking nervous, man. Like it's just, uh, I'm looking at it right now. It is absolutely hilarious. Um, I'm nervous. I'm freezing. Um, I'm like, Holy shit, this is going to be crazy. Now, I want to say that I think it's okay to be nervous before a race. In fact, like I think even just a little bit of nerves is totally okay and something that's even healthy because I truly believe that if you're nervous going to accomplish a goal or you know tackle a big project or tackle a big race, that means that you are probably pushing yourself farther than you ever have before and doing something big. For me, when it comes to goal setting, I was like setting goals that like totally scare the crap out of me and make me super, super nervous, you know, when I set them or when I think about them or anything like that. I think though that a lot of the nerves and a lot of that like scary feeling um, should be happening when you're setting the goal itself. And then when you get closer to the actual execution of that goal, like that fear is going to subside the more that you train, the more that you build confidence in yourself, the more that you see the progress along the way um, so that when it is time to perform on race day or for that big goal or for that big performance, whatever that might be, like you still have some fears, but like you're not as like nervous about the things that can go wrong. You're just more nervous that like, you know, it's just general kind of race day nerves. And I think where that kind of separates from me on this day is I was definitely more nervous of like the things that can go wrong, like going against like a fast field, like everything like that. And so I think like for me, I kind of need to level set a little bit more next time and just focus more on like my day, what I can control, like not worry about the field, not worry about, you know, the uncertainty of a hundred K distance. And now I've done the distance. So I kind of know those things. Um, and I think just leaning on those things is really going to help me in the future. I remember when I did my first 100 miler, the Zion 100 miler, I was terrified on that start line. And then when I did a, the Havali 100, I was not that scared. Um, granted, the goal that I was going for was bigger, but I wasn't as uncertain because I knew the distance. I knew 100 miles. Um, it was a lot easier of a course than it was Zion 100. So. I think it tamed me a lot more, um, but I think like leaning on the experience that you've had in the past, um, and if you haven't had in the past, that's totally fine to be nervous, but also focusing on what you can control in that start line is going to help to, you know, mitigate some of the nerves a little bit. Now, they're probably not all going to go away, and that's totally fine, and I think, again, having a little bit is healthy, but like if you have it like kind of overconsume you, especially on the things that you can't control, um, I think that's where it can get a little hindersome, so that was one thing I was thinking about that I think I need to kind of retool for next time as well but anyways I'm on the start line chatting with some of my friends there um, ready to go I get right into the front of the start line I always love being you know the first person on the start line like right in front of that uh, starting line uh, barrier tape whatever you want to call it um, but I just love being in the front of the pack it's just I don't like being in these like big packs and crowds I don't know it just like gets me a little nervous personally so I like being up in front but you know, for this race, I wasn't planning to go out in the lead pack if it was going to be a pace that was going to push me uncomfortably. Um, if it was a pace that was going to push me un un or sorry, comfortably and I could be the lead pack, I would stay there. But I told myself, hey, I'm just going to like hit it like a pretty decent pace in the beginning, probably go out a little, you know, a little faster than, you know, I probably will for like the later parts of the race. But at the same time, I'm if the lead pack just starts screaming ahead and it starts to be an uncomfortable pace, I'm going to fall back a little bit. 
anyways, the, the gun goes off and uh, we start running and I'm probably leading the entire pack for a good, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds. And then all of a sudden, all the lead guys just start barreling ahead. Tom Evans, Ryan Miller, Anthony Costales, um, all those guys just start ripping ahead of me. And as we're kind of like running through the the initial road sections, because like you're kind of on this like road, uh, both paved road and dirt roads in the beginning, um, those guys just start pulling off. And I'm looking at my pace. I'm going like 630 pace. These guys are probably clipping like 615 just like totally gassing it ahead and I'm feeling decent at 630 but I know like if I start to like flirt a little bit with the 615s and start to get in that that top crew um then I'm like ooh, I don't know could be pushing a little bit they were still in sight I could still see them so I said you know what I'm gonna let them go and I'm gonna just run my pace comfortably right now see where I'm at and just kind of had them in there and I was feeling pretty good the cool thing I was running with like Heather Jackson for like a lot of like the top um part of the race like a lot of the beginning parts of the race and as we all know like Heather is just taking the ultra running world by storm and so it was just so cool to trade those miles and just so impressive just to see how freaking strong she is out there I mean she's just such a talented athlete and such a talented runner so that was a cool thing now when we're running though like it was dead quiet like there was so many people running but no one was saying anything to anyone. It was just like you could hear a pin drop. Whereas like when we were in Javelina, like people were chatting with each other. Like I remember I was chatting with like Pat Reagan. I was chatting with like um, other people. I was chatting with Dakota Jones. But like here it was just like dead quiet. And I wasn't even in the lead pack. It was like almost kind of like eerie and intense and intimidating. Um, but honestly, I actually kind of liked it too. Because it like helped me to just kind of like focus in myself and just kind of be there. And um, and just, just kind of just stay in tune with my body and just kind of keep running um so it was kind of like a weird feeling of like this is cool but also like this is fucking creepy and at the same time um it was just a unique experience so um we're running out it's 32 degrees um granted um so to kind of go back on the weather thing before what i ended up deciding was i was just gonna race and what i was gonna wear in all day so what I was wearing was um, two arm sleeves, um, cooling arm sleeves, because uh, those help me when it gets hot throughout the day. Uh, I was just wearing a white dry fit t-shirt, was wearing some Lululemon shorts, um, and then I was wearing my Speedgoat 5s out there. So that was my kit for the day. Um, I should have probably prefaced the whole episode with what I was wearing, but um, there you go. We're, we're, we're talking about 17 minutes into the episode, so um, better late than ever, as I say. Um, but anyways, I thought I was going to wear like a base layer beforehand and just ditch it at the first aid station. But like within, I don't know, two minutes at the beginning, even though it was still 32 degrees, I was comfortable. I was fine. Wasn't cold at all. And I usually run really, really cold. Like I'm the type of, type of guy who would wear a sweatshirt out in like 60 degrees um, and still probably be like mildly cold. And so um, <laughs> like for me to like warm up that quickly, that was like great. And so um, I always suggest like if it's super, super cold in the beginning and you're going to like run a little harder than you usually should, um, err on the side of caution and just just wear what you're going to wear because you don't want to be like super warm and then like get your heart rate up a little bit more like sweat a little bit more um because then if you like you take off your clothes and like then you're like sweating and you now have like this wet sweaty shirt and now it's like cold outside like you could create more problems than good so um i i just think it's good to keep keep it simple if you're gonna like hit it out in the beginning fast and so for me I'm not gonna waffle on those decisions anymore like I know if it's like 30 and it's gonna get warmer throughout the day 
And even if it didn't, probably would have been fine with what I'm wearing, but I'm going to go ahead and go for it. Um, so anyways, that was like the first part of the race. Now, the first like 18 miles of the race, like I was pretty much going like 645, 715, like hovering around those kind of paces. And it's pretty like smooth terrain, like mostly downhill. Um, and I was feeling like pretty good. Um, and again, like I thought this pace was like pretty good for me in the beginning, right? It's kind of like, you know, little, I don't want to say fast for me, but like, comfortably fast I should say not to the point where I'm feeling like I'm totally just like booking yet but I was feeling pretty good my fitness was feeling fine but it was crazy because like I was going like 645 like seven minute miles and the lead pack was just getting farther and farther and farther and this is like 15 miles into the race like even 12 miles into the race but they were getting farther and farther and farther ahead and um it was interesting because I like had not seen that at Havelina 100 like the first like 22 miles I was with the lead pack like the entire time whether I was with them or whether they were in sight like I was always there and they just kept going farther and farther and farther and it's not like my pace was dropping like I was keeping a steady pace it was almost like they were getting faster and faster now naturally that's kind of like what happens on a downhill course but it was just crazy to see that and I think just seeing that already and realizing like oh my gosh like these guys are really really fit and fast and I'm going at like a rate that I can comfortably go like it's gonna be really hard to catch them I still thought I was in contention I still held that belief but like even just then of just like putting a lot of my focus and attention on like the other people's race and where it was going that was like where I think the first seed started to kind of plant itself in there um, so anyways, um, running through, um, first aid station, um, I make sure to, you know, get some water in and refill my bottles and start to be like pretty, um, diligent on that front. And, um, I told myself, I was like, I'm going to stop at every single aid station through this event. A lot of times with Black Canyon, especially in the lead pack, people will blow through a lot of the aid stations, but I told myself I wasn't going to do that for a few different reasons. Um, firstly, when I did it at Havelina hundred, I blew through the first aid station. And, um, I think that like really, really hurt me a ton because like I ran out of water like pretty quickly and, um, I ended up feeling like a little dehydrated a little early on. And so, um, I didn't want to risk that mistake again so I made sure to drink my first bottle before the first aid station I think it was like six-ish or seven-ish miles from the start um drank my bottle full of liquid calories and then refilled it and then kept going forward so uh everyone else blew past it but I said you know what like and this is like a mantra that I've told myself is like the seconds that you take at the aid station is going to save you minutes in the race. And I truly, truly believe that. Um, and the same goes for like topical cooling. If it's a hot race, uh, getting some ice in, um, getting some extra nutrition, like any of those things, like taking a few seconds is going to save you minutes down the road. And if you just kind of blow by it, like that seconds that you save is going to cost you minutes down the road. And so even if you're performing at, you know, just a level where you're just trying to finish, like it's still kind of like applies like taking the time at the aid station is really really going to be good like don't rush it make sure you have things that you need of course be in and be out and, and get out there as quick as possible but at the same time like make sure you're taken care of at each aid station and get out of there um and i think that's going to be much much useful if you're just kind of either just blazing through or just blow by it completely because that's going to be um, costly throughout the day. So I'm glad that I did that because, you know, even though the rest of the day didn't go the way that I wanted it to due to other reasons, um, I'm glad that I kind of took that precaution in there. Anyways, first 20 miles go by. I'm feeling pretty decent. Um, 
6:45 to I think I think it came to Bumblebee, which is like the first cruise station at like mile 20, um, at like about like a 7:04 or five pace overall, which is you know pretty pretty decent. I felt like I could have maybe gone a little faster, but I think like mentally at this point, like I was in like 40th place. And to go that fast out in the first 18 miles and to only be 40th place, like that was like in the back of my head, I was like, oh shit, this is going to be a freaking day. Um, and I kind of even just knew at that point, I was like, I think the ticket's kind of out of reach already, like 20 miles in, like this is, man, like the race hasn't even started yet and, and you're already counting yourself out. So I got to my first crew point, which my fiance crew me and she was amazing. So huge shout out to her. I get there and um, I'm already like not feeling so great. I'm feeling like a little flat and like mentally almost like defeated already. I want to say just because like I know the golden ticket's not there. Um, but uh, she she was like, "Oh, how are you doing?" I said like, "Oh, I'm not feeling that great." Um, and then I realized like I hadn't been eating or drinking as much as I should have been. Like I had all these gels in my pouch and like I just wasn't taking any of them. It just I just wasn't even thinking. I was just so like caught up in the moment and so present and so um focused on the field that like I just totally you know just didn't even space on eating the gels in my naked belt and I was like oh gosh and so they didn't even sound good to me or appetizing to me so I sat there and I said okay you know what I'm just going to take a few gels and then um we're kind of just going to go from there and then um I'm, I'm going to keep this stuff. I'm going to stay more diligent in my nutrition and everything like that. Now, for my nutrition strategy, what I did for the race was I did two bottles. Well, this was the plan, at least. Um, two bottles of Gatorade Endurance, um, 20 milliliter handhelds. Um, one of them would have three scoops of Gatorade Endurance, and then the other scoop, or the other bottle would have two scoops. Um, each scoop is about 90 calories and 20 grams of carbs and 300 milligrams of sodium. So it was like super, super perfect to have that balance for me. Um, now what I switched for this race relative to Havelina 100 was at Havelina 100 I did one bottle full of three scoops of Gatorade Endurance and then the other bottle just purely water. And the reason why I did that was because I wanted to have a palate cleanser in there and just have water in case I needed it. For this one though, I wanted to like lean more on the side of more calories. And so to do that, um, I was like, okay, I'm just going to fill up two bottles. One's going to have less calories. So it's not like totally potent and tastes a little bit more like water, but I'm going to have two bottles filled with Gatorade Endurance and supplement with gels. That was a huge fucking mistake on my end. Um, because what ended up happening is, especially after that 19 mile segment, um, when I was drinking the Gatorade over and over again, and like that's all I had out there, like I started to get this like really sugary feeling in my mouth. Um, and it was just like that like sugary, sticky feeling. Like, you know, like when you kind of like just eat something really sugary and like you're almost like even thirstier, um, even if it's like a liquid or something, like and your just mouth gets like all like. I don't even know, just sticky and just not good. Um, I was getting that feeling like pretty early on into 20 miles. And like, I just did not want to drink any more Gatorade. I was like, this is terrible. I just need real, real water. So I remember like at mile like 19, like coming out of Bumblebee, I was like starting to feel this like already. And I was just like looking forward to get to the next aid station to just like ditch the Gatorade in one of my bottles, fill it up with water and just chug some water. Cause like my mouth was just like so dry on top of that too. I just, um, did not want to take in any gels because like the last thing you want in a sugary mouth is more just jellified sugar. And so I was just like, Oh, like this is anytime I took a gel, it was just like, 
oh man, it was it was just like trying to stomach it down. No, I've never had issues with gels. I've never had issues with Gatorade out there. But I think not having that palate cleanser of that water really, really cost me because like it just made me like even more sick of the sugary kind of products, um, you know, uh, because I just never had anything to, to cleanse it, so to say. And so that was like mistake number one. And I was seeing that pretty early on into the race. Um, now, also coming out of Bumblebee at like mile 20, um, as I'm kind of dealing with this like, you know, sticky mouth or whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, it climbs out of Bumblebee a little bit. The climb is not terrible, but it's like the first, like, I would say, quote unquote, like real climb throughout the day. It's like, I want to say maybe like a mile or so, um, but it's pretty uphill. It's pretty rocky, um, little technical and you're kind of climbing up it. And as I'm climbing up it, I'm realizing like I'm, I'm breathing like unusually heavy for the pace that I'm going at. And I'm like, oh, this is like kind of interesting. Like, I feel like I'm working harder. Like, am I dehydrated? Am I like under fueled? Like what is going on? But it was, it was kind of like a different kind of breathing. Like, you know, like when you're kind of like working harder and you know that you're bonking nutritionally and you're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm bonking. Like this is that feeling that sluggish kind of like under fueled, like dehydrated kind of feeling. This was like more like fitness feeling. Like it just felt like I just was not fit enough, which was so strange because I'd been on long runs where I've been to this point running the pace that I've been running. Um, and I I did not feel this way at all. And so like all of a sudden, like I just felt myself like really, really struggling to breathe. And I was going like, you know, nine minute, 10 minute pace. And I was like, Ooh, this is like not good. Like this is, um, this is usually like my zone one pace that I'm going at and, uh, we're struggling big time here. And so that was like number two. So right now it's like mile, like 24 and I'm dealing with this, like like mouth issues and like the sugary issues and then I'm dealing with this like breathing that's just like really really well and then coupled by the fact that like the race I already know like the tickets like way ahead of me like then all of a sudden like all this like negative chatter just started just to coming in my head like all the things that you can think of right like wow you really fucked up this day like you know this is not your day out here like wow I can't even believe like you called your shot for a golden ticket like you have no business doing that like look at this like see everyone who's like proved you wrong like they were right like it was just so so loud and it was so interesting because like I knew it and I was listening to it and I was like trying to like push it away but it just kept getting louder and louder and louder and I remember this like exact moment when I was just like running like in my head I didn't say this out loud because I probably would have looked like a psychopath but like when I was running like in my head I remember just like like hearing the voice in my head just going like shut the fuck up to like the negative voice because like it just was not going away and it was so so loud and I think just like having that voice just like shouting and screaming at me um I don't know if I think I just tried to like resist it and shut it up um, and not treat it for what it was and be present. And I think just like trying to resist it almost like made it worse and made it louder. And in that turn, like it really helped, like it really, um, you know, almost like limited me a little bit in terms of like wanting to push myself even further and everything like that. But I said, you know what, I'm just going to keep on going, keep on going. But like, you know, combined with all those things, like that was like almost like where the wheels just started falling off. And like my my breathing was getting tough still, like it just never really rebounded from there and on into the race. But that was like a struggle that I had kind of throughout. And so I'm dealing with all this stuff. 
Then I would say probably like the real kicker is like mile 27 ish um, or maybe mile 30. It's like one. I think it's like actually around like 27. Um, there's like this part that's like a pretty steep downhill. It's definitely technical, but like you can you can slam on it if you have good footing and you can like make up good ground and like really, really get like a good pace on after like kind of climbing a little bit. Um, as I was going down that thing and I started down like pretty fast and was moving pretty good. Um, I felt like this like stabbing feeling in my stomach and it was even like a cramp feeling or anything like that like it was just like pure pain and I've never felt anything like that before and it wasn't like I was nauseous or like anything like that it was like almost like I was getting like literally stabbed in the stomach and I couldn't quite put my like reasoning on it but like I noticed that like the harder I pushed like the more that it would hurt so like I was like going down this downhill like pretty fast and like I could tell like the pain was just as proportionate to the pace I was going and it was so so painful like coupled with all the other shit that I was dealing with from the breathing from the from the sticky mouth from everything like that I was just like you know what like I'm just gonna like pull back a little bit see if this stomach issue goes away and then kind of go from there so then I took down the pace a little bit to try and like maintain that stomach and as I did that I think I got passed by like seven or eight people and that was crushing like I was just like oh like that was not what I needed right now. It's only going to get harder from here. And just like the the negative self-talk that I've had in this race was probably the loudest that I've had in any other race. And um, I think it's just because it was the first time where like all these unexpe- unexpected things happen. And uh, I just wasn't good to problem solve it as much as, as I, as I thought it would be. And so kind of coming down into that, um, you know, the next aid station was Black Canyon City. It's like mile 37. And at this point, by the way, I completely ditched all the Gatorade. I switched to Goo Roctane, which has like much more of like a liquid um, kind of feel to it. And then the other bottle, I just had pure water. So I had pure water and Gatorade Roctane. And then I was trying to take gels like every much as I could have, but like it was just really hard for me to stomach it down. And as I'm going into Black Canyon City, like I literally like so mile 37 um, is Black Canyon City. And I think at this point I was like mile 33. I was like thinking in my head, I was like, damn, I'm low in the rankings. I'm probably like 50th place right now. I'm not having a good day. I'm not feeling good. My stomach's all fucked up. Like my nutrition's all fucked up. Like just like I can't even breathe right now. Like I think the breathing out of all the things, the breathing was the worst part because like, like even if I pushed a fast pace, like it would like running at this point running like a 10 minute mile felt like just as much as I was running like a 545 pace. Like it was, it was really bad. And I, I still don't know to this day, like why that was happening, but, um, just did not feel like just fit. Um, which is crazy because like, I never had this in my training runs, but like a culmination of all these things, like had that, you know, three dirty letter, um, acronym pop into my head DNF. It was like, should I drop from this race? Should I like drop it? Like, I don't know. Um, And then, like, kind of coming into Black Canyon City, there was, like, a few, like, things that really helped me to stay in the game. Um, The first thing was I noticed there was some other people struggling and walking, and I was passing them. Um, Some of them were elite athletes that I look up to, and so that was... I was like, oh, okay, well, they're hurting, they're not doing well, and I just, like, passed them, so, okay, like, maybe there's a shot here. And then at Black Canyon City, there's kind of, like, an out and back where, like, um, you see the people coming out of Black Canyon City as you're going in, and I was starting to see, like, some people who I knew and some people who I recognized, and I was like, you know what, let me cheer them on, because someone told me one thing, they were like, when you cheer someone on during the race, it almost, like, helps you go forward, right? It's like, when you give energy, you get energy, and so for me, like, even though I was feeling miserable and was feeling poopy pants and was just feeling just absolutely terrible, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna cheer on all these people who are coming up and just hype them up and just, you know, 
support them, even though I feel like a bag of ass right now. And so people were like uh, coming up and I was just cheering them on. I was like, hey, nice job. Like amazing stuff. I saw like Nick Curry. I saw Georgia Porter. I saw Allison McDonald. Like I saw like tons of people. And I was chasing them all or cheering them all on. And um, that was cool. And that kind of like gave me like a good lift kind of coming into it. Um, but going into Black Canyon City, I like man, I was pretty wrecked and I I knew the ticket was out of reach and everything like that. And that's when I kind of had to like level set with myself and kind of had this internal conversation with myself and saying, okay, the ticket is gone, but like, what do you still want to do now? And I said, well, the ticket's gone. There goes my goal. Might as well just drop. And that was like the initial thing. But then I kind of thought about it a lot more. Now I've never actually DNF from a race like officially, but there was a time when I did an endurance challenge where I went to do um, all 46 peaks in the Adirondacks and um, I called it after a day because I just mentally couldn't handle it. And I remember the immense amount of regret and shame that I felt the next day and um, because I knew I could keep going. And so for me, like I kind of like asked myself, I said, hey, like, are you seriously hurt? No. Um, are you in danger of like putting yourself at risk for anything? No. Um, are you, can, do you feel like you can still go even despite like how good that result is at the end of the day? Yes. Okay. If all those things are true, like, and I know it's going to really, really hurt me mentally down the long run. If I drop at this point, let's just keep going and finish the race and just do the best that you can that day. So I switched my goal mid race to like really go from, um, you know, golden ticket to let's just finish the damn thing and just get the damn thing done. And at the same time, I also thought back to like Arlen Glick. So he told me this one thing that just always stuck with me. He said, I would rather finish and get a bad result than ever DNF. And I, I, that's always stuck with me. And then something else that's also stuck with me as well is like, um, I think it was actually Lindsay, um, who, who I did the co-host episode with for Black Canyon. She was saying on like some runners how like they've DNF'd in the past and like that almost like has her kind of like question their mental strength a little bit. And I thought that was so interesting because like I think like as soon as you like and and you know sometimes dnfs happen and everything like that but like i've never had an official dnf and so like for me i said you know what like i I think if i want to get like an official dnf it's going to like be because like i physically just can't go on and or if i'm trying to like protect myself for like an a race or anything like that and again going through kind of like that mental filter of asking myself those questions before and knowing that like all systems were a go um i just knew that if i dnf to this point it would do more harm than good for me in the long term um and then i was uh reading a book which i'll kind of talk about later but it was saying like you need to have your will to finish a lot stronger than your your will to relieve the suffering in the moment and like for me i knew that you know sure i could like call it quits and kind of like you know, get all the comforts now, but like I knew like in that moment that comfort would not match the pain that I would feel long term. And so I kind of had to have that conversation myself going to Black Canyon City. I knew I was going to get a pacer. I knew I was going to see my crew in there and everything like that. And I knew I needed to course correct some things. So a few things that I course corrected to coming into there. So first of all was my mindset. I said, okay, now it's just time to finish. Like golden tickets out of reach. Fuck it, whatever. Now it's your race. It's just you against you just go out and do it. Two, I knew I had my pacer coming up. So shout out to Aaron Barber, um, who was my amazing pacer throughout the day. I was picking him up at Black Canyon City and he was going to take me home. I told myself, hey, you're going to have a pacer. You're going to have someone to run with. You're going to have someone to keep like keep you in check. Like It's going to get a lot better there. You're going to get some company because honestly, for the first 37 miles of the race, besides like maybe half a mile where I was chatting with this one super talented young kid from Canada um, who was crushing out there, 
totally forgot his name. If you're listening to this, like shout out to you, uh, DM me on Instagram. Would love to know your name so we can connect. Um, but yeah, I was like pretty much alone for like the first 37 miles. And I was like, you know what, having some company and having people to talk to and getting my mind off things is really going to help. So I knew I was going to get him. Number three, went through that whole kind of mental process as well um, and just kind of reconciled myself and I said, okay, now it's going to go. Now fourth, I was like, okay, let's just do something about this breathing. Is there anything I can do right now? I said, well, like maybe we'll just take it a little bit slower right now and then hit it at the gas at the end. Maybe the breathing will recover and kind of go from there. Okay, great. Um, Next thing, like, let's get your nutrition strategy well, because right now it's off the fucking rails. And so I said, okay, well, I don't want to drink Gatorade anymore, but I can take down Roctane. I was sipping on some Roctane as I pivoted before, and I said, okay, we're going to go on Roctane, and we're going to stick with that. Like, that's all you're going to eat, and maybe you're going to switch to some potatoes and potato chips, because you know in the past that's worked for you, and it's not super sweet, um, and you can handle those things. So I said, okay, we're we're switching up the nutrition strategy. We're going to go with uh, Roctane for the rest of the day in the water bottles, and then we're going to go to potatoes at the aid station. That's it. We're going to stick to that. That sounds great. We're going to go with it. And then got with my pacer, told him how I was feeling, not feeling great at all. And we kind of pivoted all those things. And so I say that really long part because that was like a turning point for me, not just getting the pacer, not just all those things, but like a few different things. Number one, having the conversation with myself to decide to stay in the game. Number two, pivoting the strategies that I needed as well. And number three, realizing that I had much bigger checkpoints ahead, um, you know, such as my pacer and, you know, um, coming onto a different nutrition strategy and everything like that. Um, recognizing that like the things weren't always going to get worse than where it was at um really helped to keep me in the game so like that was kind of like a big pivotal moment for me so Aaron hops on at mile 37 and we start just kind of running now if you're familiar with Black Canyon after Black Canyon City that's like they say where the race begins the race is about like I want to say 6,000 feet of elevation gain maybe 5,000 somewhere around that range I think it's actually closer to 5,000 um but most of it is actually concentrated in those last um in the last 50k of the race, um, especially coming out of Black Canyon City at 37, it's basically like a straight climb up, and it's I would say the second worst climb that you face throughout the day. Um, and so it's right after that aid station too, um, and it's in the hot of the day. It's like it was 65 degrees, but it felt hot, so I was getting in a lot of ice, um, was dousing myself with water any chance I could, was making sure to take extra salt tabs and make sure to salt a lot more, um, and I was treating it as if it was like hobbling in 100, even though it was only 65 degrees. Um, and that's like my tip all the time is like, if you're in a race and it's hot, like I think it's if it's anything over 60 degrees, especially if you're in the southwest managing the heat's going to be crucial. Um, thankfully I've never felt, I never felt hot once during this race. I never felt hot during Havilene hundred. And I think that's like one of my strong suits is like that. I definitely run, uh, cold. And at the same time, I think I've also mastered kind of like the heat acclimation and everything. Like I was hopping into the sauna, um, pretty frequently kind of leading into Havilene hundred. I was doing a lot of my, sorry, not Havilene hundred black Canyon hundred K getting those mixed up there. Um, was doing some sauna training going into there, was doing a lot of my longer runs uh, later in the training block in the middle of the day when it was like 70 degrees out. Um, so was kind of getting, I felt pretty heat acclimated, but like I still knew that I needed to, to stay on top of staying soaked and wet and everything, all, all those kind of things um, leading into, uh, the actual race. So took care of that as well. And then, um, yeah, so, so my advice is like, if you see like the, the forecast over anything, 60 degrees, um, you're probably going to want to do some sort of heat 
strategy, whether that's taking more um, electrolytes or whether that's, you know, hopping into the sauna or whether that's, you know, getting some topical cooling if it's not too humid outside. Doing those things are going to be really, really useful for you because, like, once you get hot, like, your heart rate gets elevated. When your heart rate gets elevated, you're going to push a lot more and it's just not a good thing to be overheated out there. So, um, that was also a big thing that I saw that I saw a lot of people kind of fucking up out there at Black Canyon. And I think that kind of speaks to what kind of happened in this next part of the race. Um, so as I said, mile 37 was a pivotal point and we're climbing up Black Canyon city and that climb just absolutely sucked. Like I was, um, just not feeling great, but I had Aaron there and Aaron, you know, we were taking the climb decently conservative, but even so, like we were going up at like a 10 minute mile pace, which is like so slow for me. And I was huffing and puffing as if I was doing like sprints. Um, just, this is like probably the part where like my breathing was just, I just could not keep up. And I even said to Aaron, I was like, dude, I feel like a fat piece of shit out here. Like just like not fit at all. Like just like in my head, I was like, where the hell is my fitness? like I can't find it and um Aaron was doing great because he was saying like hey if you want to hike it like let's go ahead and hike it but I told myself I was like I want to run as much as I can as possible unless I'm like cramping or like I hurt myself um I'm not going to really walk as much and so there was a few sections where I ended up did hiking a little bit, but for the most part up that Black Canyon City climb, I was uh, I was running a lot more, and Aaron was uh, pacing me really well. Now, Aaron had an amazing pacing strategy, and one that I just totally love is that he would always run, um, I would say, like, maybe at least 12 feet ahead of me at all times. So he was never like super close to me. He was always a little bit ahead. Now I know some people like the pacer behind you. Some people like the pacer right next to you. Um, but for me, I love the aspect that Aaron was always like 12 feet ahead because like for me, I kind of, I always get this like drive when like someone's like ahead of me. Um, and almost like this boost, like kind of like if you like you see someone ahead of you and you're like, oh, I can like pass them. Like you kind of get that like internal motivation. So I think like subconsciously, like seeing Aaron just like a little bit ahead of me always like pushed me to try and catch him. And now what's great is that Aaron is super fresh. I was not super fresh. So like anytime I would like close the gap a little bit, he would notice that and he would kind of pull away a little bit farther. So I was always kind of playing this like this this push pull game with him where I was always just feeling like I was chasing, which I really like personally. And so for for me, the reason why I say that is, you know, try that out if you think that's working for you. But overall, like find the pacing strategy that works best for you. Like, do you work better when the person's behind you? Like I know Aaron was even saying when he likes to be paced, he likes the person to be behind him. That's totally fine. But everybody's going to be different, like with your pacing um, strategy. And so Aaron beforehand, we ran on the Thursday before the race. And I kind of told him that, and I told him what I liked and I told him what I needed. And he executed on all those things. And I think communicating that with your pacer beforehand, if you're going to have one is going to be so crucial because the way that they pace you um you want that to play onto your mental strengths because you're usually going to pick them up at a point where like you're either just mentally not feeling 100 percent or you just need that extra boost or kick or anything like that and so if they know how to like tap into that power a lot deeper ultimately you're going to be able to to race a lot better and so 
Um, he was doing that the entire time, which was great. Um, so we make it up the first black Canyon climb. I ended up falling, almost chucking my water bottle, like not, not out of anger, like um, literally because like I, when I tripped, the bottle flew out of my hands, almost down black Canyon, basically. Um, thank, thankfully we saved it. Um, because that would have been pretty, pretty bad considering I, um, was drinking those two water bottles pretty quickly. Um, but I fell, nothing catastrophic happened. Um, walked a little bit after that, but we kind of kept trudging on from there. Now, as we're running, like we start noticing that we're like seeing people and we start passing some people, right? So we pass one person, then we pass two people, then we pass three people, then we get to an aid station and we see like a few people there and dropping out, even some big names. Um, I won't name them on the podcast because that's just not me, but, um, you know, you see people dropping and saying like, yeah, I'm out. And then all of a sudden I start to realize, I'm like, wow, we're like gaining some ground here. And what's awesome is I noticed that Aaron, anytime he saw someone ahead, he would say, hey, there's someone a few people ahead. Let's go and get them. And like I said before, like once I like saw that, like and saw, you know, the person ahead and like the chance to like move up the ranks that almost like boosted me a little bit. So I was like, oh, sweet. And it was kind of like getting like a life every time I pass by someone. It sounds like so like, you know, dark and terrible, but I was like, you know what, this is going to be awesome. So, um, I just kept feeding energy off that and we kept going and we kept passing people and we kept like going all those things and just, just making it right. Um, and so we were actually like climbing the ranks and I was just honestly feeling pretty terrible throughout, but like, um, Aaron told me one thing like and I was complaining to him like I'm not gonna lie I was saying like dude like I feel terrible I feel like so bad but Aaron said one thing that kind of stuck with me like for the rest of the race and that was um be like a horse and put your blinders on just like just keep going and I was thinking about all these things right like nutrition everything like that and I was like you know what like he's right I'm just gonna like just just keep moving forward like fuck it just horse the blinders just like whatever just keep moving forward and he said don't even worry about like people behind you don't worry about people ahead of you I'll look out for those things just keep on moving and I said okay I'm just gonna keep on moving because I think that's all my brain can handle for right now and kept uh kept on going and kept pushing and just kept like just really just thinking about those things and in this moment like I started to think about a lot of different things like um I think this was probably around like mile 47 um I started just to think about like everybody honestly listening to this podcast and realizing I was like I'm gonna have to do a recap episode I'm gonna have to talk about this and uh there's a lot of people who look at my journey and get inspired by it and everything like that and I was and I asked myself, I said, what is the message that I want to send to anybody looking at my race, anybody, all these things right now? Um, I know like the messages obviously didn't get a golden ticket, but like, you know, in the moment where I'm feeling like all this pain and like my legs are starting to hurt and now I'm starting to cramp and like, I'm starting to like feel miserable and like really tired and all this shit. And I said, you know, the message I want to send is that I kept pushing on. And I thought about all the people who listen to the podcast, including yourself listening right now and just thinking about all the impact that I can make and, you know, just, just wanting to push through. I said, you know what? That's who I want to be. And just, I kept that with me throughout the entirety of the rest of the race. Just thinking like, I that's the person I want to be. I want to be this person. I want to be the person who can lean in and dig deep and keep going. Even though, you know, my goal was just blown out of the water in the beginning. And like, I didn't have a chance for that. And I was facing all this adversity. I said, I don't give a shit. Like, knowing that I could inspire at least one or two or three whatever the amount of people by just pushing through the adversity. Like, that's going to make this all worth it. And so... I really kept that and that kept me in the game after after I held that belief 
um, there was really nothing that could stop me from there, there and on. Like I, I knew I was going to finish, like there was no doubt about it. And so I, I kept going on and I, I think that kind of relates back. And I really wish I kind of had that in the beginning of the race. I, I was so caught up in my head about like all the things that could go wrong and the field and everything like that, that I kind of like disconnected myself from like the why of the whole thing. It's like, you know, the reason why I got into ultra running and the reason why I, you know, got into this sport in general was to like, inspire other people and motivate other people and like you know be this like person who can like you know through the pursuits of pushing myself inspire other to push people to push themselves and to be better and to improve and I lost touch of that and in that moment at mile 47 when I reconnected with that that's like where I knew I said there's no fucking way that we're stopping this thing and we're going to finish as strong as possible. I'm still moving slow. I'm still breathing like a fat piece of shit. Like I'm still like just not feeling great, but uh, I'm going to keep going because I, I leaned on that why and that really, really helped me. Um, and boy, did I need it at this point, because once you get into mile 50, you get to this aid station called Table Mesa. And this is probably into one of the most nastiest climbs throughout the entire race where you climb up Table Mesa. I think it's like three miles straight climb up, super rocky. Um, obviously, you're beat. It's pretty hot throughout the day. Like this is like, you know, the lowest point. And I was almost like dreading the climb like as much as possible. I was in my head, but like I didn't want to vocalize it. I didn't want to say it out loud. I just said, you know what? I'm just going to trust Aaron, trust the process and just kind of keep going forward from there and just just blinders on. And I knew I said, as soon as I'm up this thing, like, I know it's home free from here. I know it's freaking home free. Um, what was super funny, too, is, like, right at the aid station, right before it, too, I saw my friend Georgia Porter there, um, amazing runner. She was looking strong. She was looking great. And I was like, yeah, way to go, Georgia. And she's like, hey, do you want to hop on? And I could tell. I looked at her. I was like, she's looking fresh. She's looking, like, pretty fit out there. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you know what? It's going to kick my butt. I want to take this, like, climb, like, decently conservative. So I was like, you know what? Go ahead. I'll catch up. Um, I knew she was crushing it. Um, but you know, it's not that I didn't want to like push. I just, I knew there was still, and I think that's something that people need to recognize as well is like, even though there's only like 12 miles left in a 62 mile race, still 12 miles to go. That's a decent amount. And I didn't want to like, just totally like bomb myself out there. And so I also like wanted to like keep it good. And I knew like within like the last three miles when it was time to push, it was time to push. So anyways, let Georgia go, and then uh, we started climbing up Table Mesa, and again, the blinders thing, and then this is like where, again, the magic started to happen. I think we passed like three people coming up there, and it was awesome because anytime Aaron saw someone, he's like, he's like, we got another one ahead, and we would be like approaching him and start like pushing, and he would look back, and I would look at him, and I would just nod my head like being like, I understand the assignment, <laughs> and like we just would pass these people, and it would just felt great and great and great, and we ran most of that climb up. Like I did not hike a lot of that. I think I hiked it once, like when I was feeling a little bonky and I needed to take a gel. Um, but other than that, like we just kept kind of trudging through. And anyways, we make it on the top of the climb and uh, we're, we're, we're still going at a slow pace, still kind of finishing, still kind of going from there. And then, uh, yeah, and then we get to the very last aid station at like mile, um, what, 3.5 miles to go. So at this point, it's like mile 58-ish. Um, and uh, I know it's this like dirt road section and it's mostly downhill from here and it's mostly like home free at this point. And I'm just super pumped and super excited. And I'm like, okay, like this is going to be awesome. Like, let's go out. And so... So we're running and it was so interesting because um, I did a training run a few weeks prior to, to the race and I did it with Austin Horn on the Air Viper team. Uh, he's been a guest on this podcast multiple times, a good friend of mine. 
And when we went onto this road, when we did the training run together, we were hitting like 645 onto the road. And in my head, I was thinking, I was like, if I could do that, then I can do that now. And I remember like just something clicked in that moment. And uh, I looked at Aaron, I said, let's finish this shit. And then I just started just busting out like a 645 minute pace. And I can kind of tell like internally and then also like on... um, uh, Aaron's side of things like he was like this is going out a little too fast and uh, I was like you know what yes there's still three miles to go like let's just not blow myself up at this point so I did peel back it a little bit but like even just then it gave me that instance to push I was like you still have it in you to push a little bit just save it for the end and then um, so we got about three miles to go and this is probably like one of my favorite moments of running of all time is these last three miles because like listen to this awesome thing that happened so first of all you get that high right like when you get in the middle of like a, a 5k to go like in an ultra like that's like when to me that's like close it's like 5k to go like i'm just like all oh, it is is a 5k that's it like that's it's just so so simple it's 5k to go 5k to go and we're running like pretty decent in there all of a sudden like i see like aaron kind of like um uh seeing some people ahead and he's like let's go and get them let's go and get some people he's like there's two ahead let's just go and get them and there's two people who are just walking so i was like great let's go so i start pushing on the gas a little bit and we pass those two people now after we pass that second person i see aaron kind of looking back and he's like looking back looking back and in my head i'm like oh god don't look back just don't look back just don't look back whatever you do and he just goes all right joe uh what do you got and i was like wait what and he's like yeah what do you got like put it in a little bit and i was like Oh, okay. And uh, I tried to like push it in a little bit and I kind of see him keep looking back. Um, he didn't say anything, but that's when I kind of realized I was like, oh shit, like I might be getting chased right now. And I told myself, I was like, be the blinders, don't look back. But spontaneously, I said, you know what? I'm just going to just take one look back. And I look behind me and I see just like basically like a blue vest just start running up towards me. And like it was almost like this horror movie moment where I was like, oh shit. And I just hear Aaron just go, dude, push it. Let's go. And I just go, what? And he's like, push it. And I start running. And then all of a sudden, like my right leg starts cramping up. But like, I know I'm so close and I'm just like, oh, I don't give a fuck at this point. I'm just going to keep fucking running. I don't care about this cramp. I do not want to get past because at this point, up to this point in the race, after mile 37, I hadn't gotten past once. Um, I was just basically you know, just clearing all those things. Hadn't gotten passed by uh, someone in the male field. There's a few females who passed me, um, for sure. But in terms of like the male field, no one had passed me at that point, which was so, so awesome. So, uh, I wanted to keep that streak alive. So man, in the moments where I thought I was done, I thought I was out for the count. I thought I was toast. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to keep pushing on and just having that, having that strong. And I put my head down and I just like pushed as hard as I could, which at this point was like nine minute miles, which was like nothing. And I'm breathing so, so heavy. And Aaron's like yelling at me. He's like, he's like, what do you got, Joe? What do you got? Put it in, like keep pushing. And like, I just told myself like, don't get dropped, finish strong, finish strong. And the best moment ever was like, I could see the finish line a mile away. I could see it. It was a mile away. It still looked far, but I could see it. And like, just seeing that, like, just like jolted this new life in me and was saying, okay, all you got's a mile left. And Aaron was telling me this one thing. He was like, you can do anything 
for, for a mile. You can do anything for 10 minutes. You can do anything for a short amount of time. And I said, you know what? At this point, I don't care. My le- my right leg was cramping up so, so hard. But I said, I don't give a shit. I'm going to keep, keep going. I'm going to run this through to the finish line. I'm going to get there as well. And Aaron's hyping me up the whole way. He's running hard. Like, I'm running hard. Like, we're, we're doing this. And as I'm running, as I'm running, like, I can see that the there's a cow gate at the end just getting closer and closer and closer. And I can see the finish line getting closer. And all of a sudden, like, I hear, like, my name being cheered from the crowd. And it was just an amazing moment. And I like I literally was just trying to like get in that well and just chip away as deep as I could and just really just finish it through until then cross that finish line and I took my bottle and I slammed it on the ground because I was just like holy it was like just like a culmination of all the emotions of the day the frustration the the difficulties the, the pushing the perseverance everything like that slammed it on the ground laid down on the ground and just started cramping up miserably in my legs but I was just so glad that it was over and uh yeah it was it was just awesome I laid on the ground for a little bit and uh it was funny like a guy came to come help me up and I was like no 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 no, no. please don't help me up like I'm, I'm gonna the ground he's like no nah, man just want to give you back your buckle you earned it <laughs> I was like sweet man thank you um yeah and then I found out that I finished 29th place which was you know bittersweet in the moment but as I looked back on it I said yeah I'm, I'm disappointed for sure um definitely feel you know pretty pretty um beat up about it mentally but in the end of the day like getting that in there was um it was great to push at the end, despite the obstacles. I'm glad I finished. I'm glad I climbed up the ranks. I'm glad I did all those things. And I learned so many lessons along the way, which I'm going to, and I have been recapping a lot of my lessons along the way. Um, but a lot of people have been asking me, uh, especially the questions submitted in, like, what are some things you learned about X, Y, and Z that you would change next time? Um, and I'm going to go through those in that Q&A section that we're about to get into um, right now with uh, the listener questions in there. But overall, um, man, that race was tough. It was hard. It was brutal. Um, that terrain is so rocky and I had to battle a lot of mental demons out there. But even though the race didn't go my way, like the lessons that I learned, the knowledge that I gained, the experiences that I got and just the, that amazing part at the end to just dig deep, even though when I was just brutally toast, um, really just was a positive experience for me. So even though the, the day didn't go the way that I did uh, or I wanted it to go. It was still a very positive experience. And I think like, you know, that's kind of like one of the things that I'm always going to take with me is like, even if I feel like dropping, even if I feel like miserably low, there's going to be something to gain out of any single race that you do and and push on to towards the end. I mean, barring that you don't have like, you know, a severe injury kind of being threatened or anything like that. Um, I think that was like a huge, huge thing for me. So I learned that things as well. So that was my recap into the Black Canyon 100K. And it was kind of a long winded story, but I wanted to really process all those things. Um, and now as we're coming on to this part of the episode, we're going to get into the Q and a section. So I know I mentioned like a lot of my lessons and takeaways. A lot of people have been asking me those things. So I'm going to go down the line of those questions here. Um, so a lot of my lessons and takeaways are going to be in this section going over the questions, um, that you all sent in. So let's get right into that. All right. So first question is, what do you tell yourself to fight through when you're feeling ready to quit? Do you have a quote or a mantra that you refer to? Um, great question. So, uh, as I was talking about earlier in the podcast, when I came into mile 37 at black Canyon city aid station, that was the point when I was feeling ready to quit. And so there's a few things that I do mentally to make sure that I stay in the game. The first thing is ask myself some questions to level set. Like I was saying before. So in that, uh, part uh where i was talking about 
potentially dropping from Black Canyon City, I first had to like come to reality and start asking myself some logical questions, such as, um, am I in serious danger of injury? No. Do I feel like I can physically keep going? Yes. Do um, I will I regret you know quitting this later on? Yes. Um, answering like questions like that helps me to take the emotion out of the situation and really like get into like my logical brain a lot because what happens like when you're in danger or when you're in severe pain your brain's going to go into like this just incredibly emotional state where it's going to try and throw out anything that you can logic all aside to try and get you to quit and so like if you can kind of like circumnavigate that like some people call it the reptile brain or the monkey mind or whatever you want to call it um if you circumnavigate that and like start to like ask yourself some like questions to really assess the situation um it starts to really put it into perspective so like once i knew that like i wasn't in tough danger um i knew that i would regret it going on like asking those questions really help to like level set it and that's like what I suggest like anytime you're going through something really really difficult in a race um, assess the situation by asking yourself these questions right a lot of the times the statements that we're telling ourselves are usually things that aren't true right so like for example I was saying like you can't go on that's a statement but let's ask the question do you feel like you can go on right um, sometimes when you pose it as a question as opposed to like a statement um, your brain will sometimes give you the right answer now it doesn't always work and there are some times like where you know you'll get the question of like hey do you think you can go on and your brain's gonna say no and that's kind of like where I tap into the mantra or a quote and so usually the mantra that I tap into a lot um, is uh, this is who I am and this is what I do and I actually got that from Scott Jurek from his book North, um, where he talks about breaking the FKT, the Appalachian Trail. And I just love that one because like, I think identity is the biggest force that can change anything in your life. Like the reason why we do the things that we do is because we identify with that in a certain behavior. So if we say that, you know, we are an ultra runner or this is who I am or this is what I do. Um, it almost is like, oh, I'm supposed to be hurting. I'm supposed to be pushing through the pain. Like I am that person and that helps me to keep going. However, in this race, I actually took a different mantra, still a Scott Jurek mantra, as you can tell, I'm a big Scott Jurek fan. Um, but this is actually from his book, um, eat and run. And so the quote that I was actually using is sometimes you just do things. And Scott, uh, I won't ruin it in the book, but like, you know, basically that was like something his dad used to tell him. It was just like, sometimes you just do things. And Scott like would keep referring to that in moments when he talks about difficulty. And like, for me, I just had to just do things in order to get through this race. So I just kept telling myself sometimes just do things and kind of talking about what Aaron was talking before of like, just being the horse in the blinder and just keep going. I just told myself sometimes, to just do things and uh, I just had to do the thing in the moment that's all I needed to focus on and that that really helped um, lastly the really big thing that helps me out is like coming back to the why um, and I know it's like the most cheesiest thing in like personal development and running and everything like that is like you know lean into your why talk about your why like blah blah, blah. like it seems like so cheesy and trite nowadays because it's like tossed around like nothing but like let me tell you that is so so powerful to have like an awesome why and so for me Again, like I was saying before, I had to really come clear and recognize my why of, you know, going through and doing these challenges to push myself so I can inspire others to push themselves. And once I like really connected with that and got so deeply ingrained with that, um, it was amazing. And like that why is so, so powerful to me. And I think going into any single ultra, you have to define your why first before you get into there or else you're going to crumble. Because when push comes to shove, if your why isn't strong enough, more than your will to uh, stop the suffering of what you're going through in the middle of the race 
it's going to be easy to DNF. And so you got to be able to have that why clearly defined and also one that makes you just super, super emotional and makes you super connected to it, right? Um, one of my good friends, he says a quote, he says like, if your why doesn't make you cry, it's not a why. Now, you know, your why doesn't always have to make you cry, but the point of that is it has to be powerful, it has to be potent. And so for me, that's like really, really potent to just, you know, get all the, think of all the messages that I get on Instagram, like, oh, wow, I like I ran my first 50K because you inspired me to do this and yada, yada, yada. And so like that stuff like just jacks me up so much. Um, and so for me, that just kept me going throughout it. So that was uh, that was a big thing as well. So kind of three things there. The first thing is ask yourself some questions to assess. Uh, number two, have a cool mantra. For me, for this race, it was sometimes you just do things. And then the third thing is connecting to a deeper why because that's going to be able to get you through a lot of the difficulties for sure. Okay, so next question is, what is your best advice for someone wanting to do Black Canyon 100K as their first major ultra? Um, yes, that is a great, great question. So, um, you know, this was actually the only 100K I've ever done. Like I mentioned before, I've never done 100K before. This is, you know, it's a deceivingly tough race, I will say, um, for many different reasons. Um, so I would say the best advice is don't take it at face value and be prepared for the variables ahead. So what I mean by that is I think Black Canyon, looking at it on paper, can seem like an easy race, right? So uh, what do I mean by that? It's a net downhill race, um, doesn't have too, too much climbing. Um, it's in February in Arizona, so it's not like too, too hot. It's pretty cold in the morning. Um, so it can be easy at face value to take this as an easy race, um, but it is not. Um, and I will say that for a few different reasons the first thing is like even in the beginning of it being net downhill the the wear and tear that it takes on your quads is can be pretty rough like my quads are pretty sore the next day and I rarely get sore like on you know 50 miles or um, kind of 62 miles or anything my quads are pretty jacked up because of all hell running for sure so um, that's one thing to just keep in mind as well um, the second thing is um, getting some good climbing legs and having good fatigue management I think that's the biggest thing with this race and what I mean by that is you know like I said before in the beginning of the race it's all net downhill but a lot of the climbing comes into the, the later part of the races not only is there a lot of climbing but like the the, the terrain also gets significantly rockier and chunkier and like you're gonna have to like be more cognizant of like your footing and everything and usually it's later in the day um so you're a little like tired and sleepy a lot of people fall in this race I fell once um I know Heather Jackson when I was running with her she was saying that you know she fell a couple times as well I saw like a few other elites out there they were they were falling all over the place and everything like that and so um it's it's a tricky trail towards the end and I think a big thing to do with that is fatigue management and what I mean by that is like being able to climb and run strong even after like totally smashing your quads um on a downhill in the beginning because you're going to have like the hardest part is at the end of the race and not just in general perspectives of an ultra but like this course um really the hardest part of the course is at that that latter part of the race so having good fatigue management um i know like some people were doing some workouts and even i would as well where like you know one day you would um you know either climb a lot or like do a lot of downhills and then you would kind of like either do some like strides at the end of your work or like you would maybe like summit a mountain at the end of like a long run or something like that um you know doing those things where like you were making the hard part of the work in the, like the later part of a long run is really going to help with that fatigue management for sure so i think like that's the second thing and then the third thing is is the heat too. Um, like I said, like 65 degrees doesn't seem that 
hot on paper, but the Arizona desert sun just hits, hits different. And so being able to have a good cooling strategy where you're soaking your uh, shirt, you're soaking your um, ice bandana. If you don't have an ice bandana, make a bandana, put some ice in there. I think arm sleeves are a great, great use. Um, being able just to stay as wet as possible out there is going to be super, super helpful. So I think with those three things, um, number one, not taking the course at face value and really taking the variable seriously. Um, number two, working on your fatigue management. Um, and then, then number three, um, you know, getting in, um, uh, what's the face, a good cooling strategy because it will get hot in there. So that would probably be like my best advice in there. And the reason why I say all those three things is because, again, I think the mistake that a lot of people make at Black Canyon is like they take it for face value and they kind of get like punched in the face at the end. And even for me, I was I was practicing on the course. And even for me, I don't like that third section like the, the last section of the race felt a million times harder on race day. Um, and I knew that was going to happen just from the general fatigue of the things. But like, I don't think I managed the, I don't think I did fatigue management as well because I was getting destroyed on the climbs at the end. Um, and again, net downhill race looks like it can be super fast and fun and easy, but this is not an easy race. It's actually a pretty brutal course, I would say. Um, and definitely favors like the more trail running stuff. So that would kind of be my best advice in there. It's a, it's an amazing race. Don't let me scare you. Um, I'm just like, that's my best advice to go in there. Um, but uh, I, I would say like maybe another piece of advice, and it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to like go out and get a golden ticket, like I guess my best advice is just to get fit, <laughs> get as fit as possible because um, I know that I wasn't there to get it on that day and um, it's a very competitive race and I think it's only going to get more competitive. If you're just looking to finish, um, I would just say pace smart, pace smart. Don't go out hard on this one. It's, it's so easy to go out hard on this one because you got that downhill and everything. You pace it smart. Um, you're going to do well. And then also most importantly, have fun taking the beautiful sights. It's such a beautiful, pretty race. I think it's like some of my favorite running in Arizona for sure. Um, and so uh, taking into that advice is going to be super, super great. Okay. Next question. What factors go into not having a good day? Uh, anything that your instincts were telling you? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I know I went over like a lot of the factors that, you know, really went into not having a good day. Um, so just to recap, um, you know, my breathing issues, that was probably like number one. Number two was the stomach issues and the nutritional kind of bonks on there. Um, number three was like the mental side. My voice was just so, so loud. Like, I think there's just some days where you just like feel kind of off. Right. And like, you know, and I'm not even just talking about ultras. I'm just talking about day-to-day -day life. Right. Like sometimes maybe you wake up and you're like, oh, I just feel like a little off today. Like, I don't know, like I'm feeling a little moody, like whatever those things. And I, I think, um, sometimes, you know, those things just kind of pop up. Um, if I were just to kind of reflect, I know like the week going into it, I was a little stressed out, a little worried. So maybe that had something to do with it. Um, and so I think, the, the real factors that just go into not having a good day. And if I'm, I'm just going to be totally honest here is like how well you manage all those variables coming in. Um, and I just don't think I managed the variables as well as I could have on that day. Um, and so I think that's really the biggest factor that goes into whether or not you have a good day. It's not like how good you feel. It's not, um, any of those kind of things. Um, I just think it's how you are able to manage all of the, um, variables that come up. Now, again, sometimes people can have really good variables like, or, you know, really good things happen to them and nothing bad happened to them. Or I shouldn't say nothing bad, but minimal bad things happen to them on that day, um, relative to someone else. 
and that's totally acceptable. Um, but I think everybody faces some sort of difficulty inside of an ultra. And so, um, if you manage it better, it's going to be better. It's going to be good. And like, for me, I just had, this is the first time where I've had so many different things kind of go wrong. And I think like that coupled with the mindset of I'm already out of the golden ticket, like all that culmination, I just, it just was, it was a lot. And so, um, I, I didn't, and I, and I would say like a lot is in like, I can't manage it. I have to learn how to manage it better. So I think that's like the big thing that goes into the, the big day. Anything your instincts were telling you. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because like a lot of the big things, uh, on that second thing of anything, my instincts were telling you. Yeah. I was wondering one thing that I'm curious to see, and I need to still meet with my coach Zach Bitter on this is like, I'm wondering if like, maybe I was running, you know, uh, maybe a little too hard on some of my long runs. I know I mentioned in my training, I was taking my long runs a little easier, but like maybe still I was pushing a little bit too hard and I maybe like fried myself out a little bit. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, I, I, that was like one thing we're saying, like maybe I should run easier in my training runs. Um, and so that I can like really fully have like a good effort out. I'm not sure again, what the breathing issues were, if it was like the environmental stuff or fitness or anything like that. I didn't think it was fitness cause I never really had those kind of issues in my training. But my gut is telling me that it might be due to maybe just some intensity mismatch on my training, you know, running my uh, easy days a little harder than I probably should. So um, I'm still kind of thinking on that. I need to meet on my coach on that. But that's like one thing my instincts are telling you. And usually, like I know with the gut, like it's good to kind of check in and see those things. So TBD on that. Obviously, I'll continue to kind of like post my training updates and everything like that going into canyons next. Um, but that's like something that instincts are telling you. But to go to the original question, what factors... Um, into just not having a good day what go into it i think it's just not being able to manage the variables well enough and i you know quite frankly as much as it hurts me to say that i think that's the honest truth and I, something i need to work on for sure and the next thing um i mentioned this on my stories on instagram but one thing i'm doing to to mitigate that for the next ultra is i'm reading the book um uh, mental training for ultra runners, um, by Addie Bracey. Um, I've heard it's an incredible book. Um, Addie Bracey is just awesome. I've listened to several podcasts with her and I've heard the book is phenomenal. So I'm diving into that to really just hone in the mental game as much as the physical game, because, you know, even though I was having all the adversity on that day, I I'm not chalking it up as an excuse to that. Like, I think, I think mentally, if I handled some things better, I could have done better. Um, so that's, that's where we're going to go from there. So that's my plan on that. Okay. Uh, next thing, uh, what was going through your head out there and where was your mind at throughout? So I kind of covered this extensively throughout the podcast. Like the first 20 miles was pretty good and cruising and I was kind of locked in. And then, you know, I kind of went in from despair from like mile 20 to 37 of just like this, like negative, just thought loop for like 17 miles. That was just so brutal. And just thinking about every excuse in the book. And then from 37 on, like it was, it was just like, Hey, blinders on and just get it done. And one foot in front of the other. And if you, I was basically more so focusing to, to summarize it up, especially in the last 37 miles, because it's something I didn't touch on before. But the last 37 miles, I was really focused on the mile that I was currently in, running the mile that I was in, right? I wasn't thinking about, okay, I got, you know, uh, like 25 miles to go. It was, okay, what can I do in this mile? Can I just keep going forward? Can I just look at my footing? Can I just, you know, do I have to eat? Do I have to, like, it was very much running the mile I was in and just focusing on that moment. I wasn't focusing on the bigger picture. 
And I didn't let my mind get to there. Like there were some points where it would, but I would just tell myself, okay, let's just get done with mile 38. Let's just get done with mile 39. Let's just get done with mile 40. And even if my brain was like, whoa, you still got a lot to go, I'd say, okay, let's just focus on the next aid station. Um, and I think breaking it down into those things really helped me to, you know, get over kind of like that that daunting hump that can be like, wow, you just ran 37 miles. You got to take on 25 more and you feel like ass like that a big thing of just running the mile that you're in and then also taking those like little micro goals of like checkpoints of the aid station just kind of focusing on that really really helps um so the things that were going through my head out there i know i talked about that a lot in this this episode here um but that was kind of like some additional context of what was going through my head at like mile 37 next question um any regrets i loved your confidence and that's what it's all about man keep your head up thank you so much for that um do i have any regrets um no, I don't have any regrets really in the race. I, I, I don't. I, I, you know, whether I guess that that regrets is in comments to like me being very loud beforehand and talking about getting a golden ticket. No, I definitely don't regret that at all. Like I firmly believe that again, if I had a great day and I played it well, I could have gotten a golden ticket, but um, I just didn't execute as well. And so, um, yeah, I don't have any regrets on that day. Um I think the only time I would have had a regret is if I quit. Um, and honestly, like regret is such an interesting word, right? Because like regret is like something that you wish you can do better in the past. Um, but like all of the failures that I've had and all the missteps that I had in this race, I know are going to make me a better runner going forward. And so I can sit here and sulk and be like, oh, I had a shitty day. Like I didn't manage things well, like blah, 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 blah. I can like sit here and sulk in that. Or I can say, wow, that's amazing. Like, look at all the things that I learned. Like, look at all the things I can do better. Now I have a strategy to go into Canes 100K and every single ultra after that to do better so I can prevent those things going forward. Now that is amazing and exciting because now I have the tool to know exactly what I need to do to move forward so as you can see even in my voice i'm vocalizing it in a way where i'm getting excited about the things that i learned even though they were shitty in the moment and not looking at them as like regrets um and the reason why i just hate that word regret um and i'm not picking on you or anything i'm just saying like i the word regret kind of implies that like man like i really shouldn't have done that which is true like you shouldn't have done those things but like it almost is like i feel like we don't want to look at things as mistakes as regrets. We want to look at mistakes as lessons. That's kind of where I'm getting at. Um, the only thing that I ever regret is quitting. Like that's the only thing I ever regret in the end of the day. Um, and I didn't quit. Um, I just learned a lot. Um, it just brings me back to a good failure of, um, you know, there is no uh, failure. It's just lessons. And let me tell you, there was a lot of lessons at Black Canyon for me. So uh, I don't regret anything. I'm super grateful. I've learned so much. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really pumped about that. Uh, next one, just popping in to say your ambition and drive is inspiring. Keep crushing it, dude. Oh, thank you so much, man. I appreciate that a ton. Not a question, but thank you very much for that. Uh, <laughs> so this is from my pacer, Aaron. He says, why did you decide to run sub seven for half a mile with three miles to go? So as I was talking about before, um, <laughs> um, when there was three miles to go and we got in this dirt road section and I looked at him and I said, it's time to finish the shit. And I started to run sub seven minute miles. Um, that was aggressive. The reason why it was is, you know, I was, uh, I remembered running, um, sub seven minute miles with Austin Horn on a training run over there. And I just kind of was like channeling in that moment. And at the same time too, I was just like so hyped. Like I said before, like once I'm in the 5k mark at the end of an ultra, like that's like when I know I'm close, like it is no longer like, 
it is a long battle. Like a 5k is just so easy for my brain to comprehend. Like, and I think just like kicking it into that gear, like really helped me to just propel forward. Um, was it smart? No, absolutely not. Because I still had three miles to go and I probably shouldn't have been going that fast. But honestly, like it was a good little kick because it like showed me, wow, you still have juice in the tank, even though you feel like ass. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I did it just cause I kind of got this like second wave or I should say, I don't know, maybe fifth or sixth wave, depending on how many waves that I found over the course of 62 miles. Um, but I also channeled like the strength that I had in an earlier training run. And I think that's a good tip for anyone. Right. Um, and I was talking with my, my friend Melissa about this cause she was, you know, we were talking about, you know, our race strategy and everything. And she was like, Oh, if I just like channel what I did on these training runs, um, I'm going to go out and and crush it and I think that's such a good strategy is like you know when you're in the middle of a run channeling how you felt in those training runs thinking about those moments thinking about how you felt um, is going to be super super crucial and to take it a step further when you're actually in those training runs make a mental note of those moments when you start to crush it or maybe like you start to hit a PR on a section or maybe like you just feel really really good and you're hitting a good pace or maybe like you're not feeling good but you still are hitting a good pace like whatever those wins are take mental note of it um, and then like translate that into your actual um, race so like when you do bump into a problem and you say wait no I had this problem during my training run and I still crushed it at the pace that I wanted to go or I still kept on going or I still managed the problem in this way then you realize you're like oh I've done this before and when you've done it before it becomes easier to implement in that moment so like for me like that's kind of like I know I kind of went on a tangent on that question, but like that was kind of a big reason why um, I did that sub seven because I knew I've done it before and I kind of channeled it in that moment. Um, so great question, Aaron. Shout out to you again for pacing me, man. You are awesome. Uh, so, doo -doo -doo. Um, okay, next question. What did you learn and how do you feel now? Yeah, so I learned a lot and I've kind of been like sharing that throughout, but I guess like to, to sum up a few different takeaways here, I think I think the biggest thing that I learned is that um, I need to, I need to get better. Like that's the biggest thing is I need to get better and I need to improve. Um, and the reason why that was is because like I was running like a decent clip in the beginning and I was nowhere even close to touching the lead pack. And I even think like even if I kept on like feeling good and everything like that, it would have been really, really hard to get that lead pack um, and it would have been in there. So I think like first and foremost, I just learned that I need to get better. And I think that's like an, an exciting thing when it comes to failure is like losing shows you where you're at and where you want to go. Um, it's a powerful quote that I saw from my friend Jeremiah Solving. Losing it shows you where you are now and where you want to go. And what that means by is, is losing shows you, hey, you're not good enough yet. Um, and if you if it hurts, that means you want to get better. And so like both those things happened to me. Like I obviously like lost and, you know, in the, in the retrospect of my own kind of things. And then, um, it hurt. And so I knew I wanted to get better. Um, but one thing that I just want to just stress to everybody is like, don't see it as like an, a, um, a reflection of who you are as a person, just reflected at who you are right now in this moment in time. And what I mean by that, it's not that you're not good. It's, you're not good yet. And having that yet in there is super powerful because you can propel yourself forward. Um, and then in terms of like the other things that I learned as well is like, I think the other thing is like, don't put so much mental stock into where you are relative to the field, right? Um, I think it's important when you're racing, if you want to win to assess the field and like play those chess moves and like really keep a good eye on where everybody's at and where your position's at. 
But I think if you put too much weight onto it, like I did, um, you can really count yourself out if, uh, you know, you're behind in a race or anything like that. It can really, really play with your head as it did in mine. And when when that messes with your head and you have a bunch of other things going wrong as I did, um, it can kind of be this cocktail for disaster if you just like don't have the right way to, to handle it. And that was like in my scenario, in my case there. So um, I think not putting as much weight on like my positioning in the race and more so focusing on like my effort and what I'm doing and running my own race. Um, now, again, I still want to like crush the competition. I still want to win, like no doubt about it. But I think, you know, focusing more on your race and being in your own lane, um, I think can be super helpful. And I've learned that a lot from a lot of the guests that I've been chatting on and everything like that. So that's like another thing that I've learned. And the third thing that I learned is, you know, just some nutrition stuff. And I know there's some questions about nutrition, so I'll kind of touch on that there. Um, but that was like another thing it was just like continuing to dial in my nutrition and everything like that. Um, I also learned that, you know, uh, you know, sometimes you just got to uh, pace or I've just learned how to pace 100K. I've never ran 100K before and I've learned how to like pace it. Um, I think I probably was on track to pace it pretty well. But like, again, my breathing issues, which I'm still kind of diving into, was kind of like the weird things on there. So um, I think like the biggest takeaways uh, is I need to get better. Um, and I think to, to sum that up on like how I'm going to do that better, I think I just need to like train a lot smarter. I think I need to get better at fatigue management. Like I mentioned before, I need to practice being able to run on like very tired legs. Um, I also need to practice like the mental game. I think a lot better. Um, I also need to work on running in my own race. Um, as opposed to just putting so much stock on where I'm at in the field. And again, that doesn't mean don't shoot for a golden ticket or don't shoot for first place. I just think the priority has to be my own goals and my own race. Um, and I think the other big thing is, um, you know, I, I still trying to crack this nut on like the breathing thing and seeing if, you know, there's something I could potentially do about that. Um, but those are the biggest things that I learned along the way for sure. And those are like my biggest takeaways. Um, and then the second part of that question, how do you feel now? I feel excited. I feel, you know, I was really bummed, um, after the race for sure. And like, I still get bummed every now and then just thinking about like, shit, I, I did, that did not go the way I wanted to. But in the end of the day, I just get excited about canyons and like my future endurance career because I realize, and this is like a big thing too. And, you know, I talked about this with Lottie Brinks on, you know, my podcast interview with her or she brought this up. I don't want to take credit for it, but she was saying how patience is so important. And I look back at it and I'm, I'm 28 years old, just turned 28. And a lot of the guys who were on the top of that race were in their early thirties. And so for me, I'm still you know, I still have years to go until that point and I'm still doing it in a pretty decent place of where I am now. So I know like if I continue to put in the work for a matter of another five years, man, like where I could be in five years could be absolutely incredible. And I think just having that perspective and using this as a stepping stone to get me there is having me get excited about it. So I'm super pumped about that. I'm feeling pretty excited about it right now. Um, I'm still feeling a little sore too. Like my quads are still a little trash, but um, I think I'll be bouncing back in no time for sure. Okay, next question. Any changes you make to nutrition or key workouts as you build to canyons? Um, yes. So the big change I'm going to be making to nutrition is I'm going to be switching from Gatorade Endurance to Goo Roctane Drink Mix. Um, I loved Roctane. Like that was 
just a great strategy for me throughout. I never really got sick of it. Um, it helped me to, you know, feel like I was getting in good liquid calories while at the same time not um, feeling like I have a sticky mouth. It doesn't have like a sugary kind of feel to it. So I'm definitely going to go with that too. And I think I'm going to make that my main source of calories. Um, and then unless if I want solid food, I'll go with potatoes. The reason why that is, is because like, I, I, I like the gels, but like sometimes when I'm running, like I just don't like to like take it out of my pack while I'm running and rip it and like eat it and then like shove it in. I, I just don't like those extra steps. I like to just like kind of run as I'm in. So I'm really going to focus a lot on Goo Roctane and make that like a majority of my nutrition going forward. That's kind of like the biggest thing on there. And then also too, I'm going to get more diligent on it. Um, during the race, I had no time notifications of like, you should be taking a sip now or anything like that. I was kind of relying on like, um, looking at my watch and, uh, I don't know if this is the same for anyone listening, but like, I know when I'm racing, I get so locked into the moment of like being there that like sometimes time will fly. And like, I hadn't even taken a drink in like an hour when I knew I should have been taking at least three sips. Um, so I think I'm going to be implementing like a nutrition timer on my watch. Um, I have the chorus apex. I know has that nutrition timer. I believe so. I, I think so. Um, and, but I'm definitely going to have some kind of system like that for sure. Um, so that's like going to be the big thing is changing up the, um, you know, the, the discipline on it. And then also the actual thing I'm consuming, um, key workouts as I'm building into canyons. Um, one thing that I'm thinking about doing is doing my workouts on hills as a opposed to flats. So I did all of my workouts, um, going to black Canyon, basically on uh, a track or, um, a really flat road. And I think for canyons, I might be switching my workouts to do them on uh, hills instead. So same kind of intensity for sure. Obviously the pace is going to be way different, but I'm going to be probably doing a lot of like hill repeats or like doing a lot of tempo runs up hills, like kind of using like the hill intensity as opposed to just like you know, pushing harder on streets. And I think the reason why that is, or I'm thinking about that is obviously Canes has a lot of vert, but, uh, I think it's going to help with fatigue management and also my uphill running a lot for sure. So, um, which I think needs to be improved a little bit based on, um, based on my performance at Black Cane, because I just did, did, I was running the hills, but like, I felt like it could have been stronger. I felt like it could have been faster and they kind of cooked me a lot. So, um, I think that's like a big thing I'm going to change as well as switching my workouts into uh, hills as opposed to just actual roads and, um, seeing if that helps out for sure. Uh, next thing would, uh, you ever come back to do this race again? Uh, if so, another hundred K attempt or 60 K, you know, it was funny after I did the race, I was like, fuck this fuck black Canyon. I'm never doing this again. Like that race was like brutal. Um, but the, the more that I think about it now, uh, I would like another shot at it. I would like my revenge at it. I think that would be super cool. I don't know if I do it again next year, just considering I'm getting married, um, in mid January and you know, it'll kind of be at this time of like honeymoon and everything like that. Um, so if I do come, I will probably come back and do it. I'll just say that right now. I'll probably come back and do Black Canyon for sure. Um, I don't think it'll be next year. And if I do again, it'll be the 100K for sure. Um, I like the idea of coming back for like seconds. Um, it's super cool because like Melissa Ostazewski, I think, has done that race six times, which is so, so cool. And even after the race, I was like, you are crazy. I can't believe you've done this race six times. Like I've done it once. And I'm already sick of it. Um, but like the more that I've kind of sat on it and thought about it, I will, I will probably be doing it again. So um, probably not next year, maybe the year after, if not the year after that. Um, but yeah, I can see myself throwing my hat in the ring, especially cause I'm in Arizona and I live super close to the course. Um, it's like home field for me. I love running in the desert. Um, 
yeah so i think uh i think 100k attempt is is in my future again for black canyon uh next question what played with your mindset the most uh placing place number pace weather other things uh yeah the biggest thing that was definitely placing for me that one really played with my mindset the most um just being so back at like mile 20 running like basically a seven minute mile pace for 20 miles and still being in 40th place um that was shocking to me i was like oh shit like you know these people are serious like um (laughs) <laughs> this is this is gonna be oh this is gonna be crazy so that really messed with my head a lot and as i mentioned before i need to work on that um but the other thing that really messed my head too was was the breathing that like was really bad because i think there's like man have you ever had like a day where you just run and you just don't feel fit like you're pushing a certain pace and you feel like it's a harder effort and it's just like man like those those runs are the freaking worst and like that's exactly how i felt at black canyon like again i was pushing like at some parts like 9 30 pace and it felt like i was running like a 545 pace that is just so not normal and it's it's scary because like you start to think like what the heck is wrong with me like am i not fit like and again like even to make it worse i should say like to this point, I still don't really know what it was. Um, I'll be interested to see once I start to get back running to see like, you know, how I'm feeling and everything. I, I think I'll, I'll be feeling good and everything, but like that was just really interesting to see. So um, I think the two things that really, really messed with my head a lot was the placing and then also the breathing as well. Um, so yeah, those were, those are the two things and I need to work on mentally how to handle those things a lot better, which is something I'm going into canyons. Um, how I'm planning to do that again, I'm reading uh, um, mental training for ultra runners, which I think is going to help me a lot um, to manage those things. Um, so I'll report back on what I'm thinking from there. Um, in terms of like weather, that that didn't bother me as much. I'm pretty, pretty good at running in the heat. I'd never felt hot once. Um, pace, um, you know, in the beginning, the pace didn't bother me too much. You know, 645, 650, seven minute miles. Like in the beginning, I was feeling pretty good. Um, I would say maybe the pace towards the end, like when I was getting slow and I was like huffing and puffing, like that sucked. Um, and then the hills were kind of chewing me up a little bit at the end too, getting like some sore quads and everything. So those are the biggest things that meant mess up my mind. And, uh, you know, the big thing is, you know, going into canyons, hundred K going to be doing that as well. Um, next question. What are you going to change about your training for the Canes 100K? So kind of touch on that a little bit more, um, but I'll kind of go deeper on that. So um, I think the big thing is doing more mental training. Like I said before, uh, reading that book, applying the principles in there, making more of a mental effort Um, because like we train so much physically that like sometimes we don't think about mentally training. And so like for me, I'm like, okay, going to mentally train this, going to follow the exercise in the book, kind of make my own like mental training plan and go in for that. I also have a whole list of things I'm going to change. So, you know what? I might as well just read it off in full transparency here. It's my whole, yeah, it's literally a note in my phone. I'm pulling it up called Kane's 100K Training Shifts. Um, so, number one is implement mental training for ultra running tips. Um, number two, here's, okay, so this one's interesting. Um, I don't know if this is controversial, but this is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be implementing creatine in my recovery. Um, so, creatine i've been seeing tons of studies on being able to improve muscular endurance and one of the big things especially at hobbling 100 that kind of hindered me was like sore legs and my legs did feel pretty sore during this but like it was because a lot of that like quad pounding and so i don't think it was as bad but i just know that you know because this next race is or canyons 100k is a lot of vert like way 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 more vert than black canyon um it's going to be a lot more climbing it's going to be a lot more um 
um, you know, kind of brutal kind of things. I'm going to be trying to use creatine in my post recovery, taking it after every single run to see if I can build that muscular endurance through there. So using creatine and post recovery is going to be a big thing for me as well. Um, the other thing that I'm, I, I talked about this before and I need to kind of touch base with my coach on this, I might be running my long runs even slower um, just so I can feel fresh and feel like I can kick it on race day for sure. Um, so that's kind of like one thing I'm, I'm probably going to do as well. And I know I mentioned that was a big thing going to my training was running the long run slower um, going into Black Canyon, but I might even have to go even slower. So we're, we're going to kind of have to see from there. The next thing on the list is definitely getting more sleep. Um, that's like a big thing that honestly I was not as great on going into this training block. So getting more sleep is something that uh, I'm going to be wanting to do. I'm going to try and cut out a lot of BS in my life and say no to a lot more things. Um, or I might like, you know, thankfully I work at a place where like my hours are pretty flexible. Maybe I can flex my hours to work a little later in the day so I can get more sleep in the morning um, before my morning run or anything like that. So that's something as well. Um, the other thing, goo roctane for nutrition. Um, I kind of mentioned that before. Um, and then the other thing is stay diligent with strength training. So for me, um, you know, I've been doing strength training, you know, about like once a week, but I think I need to take it a little bit more seriously. And I know I was talking about like recovering my hamstring in the first training episode um, and talking about some strength training on top of that. Um, but I need to be more diligent with it um, and more intentional and, you know, do it more often. Like I'd love to do it ideally two to three times a week. Um, where I was really doing it once on most weeks. And so I really want to stay diligent with the strength training. I think it's great. Um, even Anthony Castales, who won the race and, you know, got the course record on there, he put in his, like, Instagram caption um, that he was spending some time in the weight rooms. It's super cool. We're actually going to be having him on the podcast um, this week, too, to talk about his win. So stay tuned for that. I'm super excited. Um, but, yeah, I really want to get super intentional about um, the strength training and be more um, diligent and disciplined with it just so I can do that as well. So that's kind of, like, another big thing that I'm going to change. Um, so those are the big training shifts going to black uh, or going to canyons. Oh, the last thing, as I mentioned before, probably doing my speed workouts on uh, hilly terrain as opposed to just flat terrain, just to get more um, prevalent with th with that kind of stuff on there. So that's that. Um, also, apologies if you can hear this giant machine going off in the background here. They've been doing this freaking work on my apartment like all day and just haven't stopped. It's like I don't even know 7 p.m. right now and they're still going, which is crazy but um this show must go on all right we do have one last question here and that is uh what are you doing in the days after the race um so uh the big thing for me is like i usually like after a race to give myself a week of non-structured running now basically that just means not following a training plan and um if i feel like running i'll run if i don't feel like running i won't run um and i'll kind of run on whatever i'm feeling that that day um for me like i love the structured part of training being like on this day you do this and this day you do that like i personally really really like that some people don't I really do like that but after a while like if you kind of go through this whole training block it kind of can leave me a little mentally flat especially after a race so I like to just kind of give myself a little bit of a mental reset and just say, hey, if you feel like running today, go out and run. If you don't feel like running today, that's okay. Um, but the week after that is when I start training again. So I'll be starting my official training for Canyons 100K um, this upcoming Monday. But this current week, I'm taking a week off from unstructured running. Um, I did not run today, which is Monday. Didn't run yesterday. Probably won't run tomorrow. I maybe run Wednesday, Thursday. I'll probably run on the weekend. Um, but again, it's all going to be what I'm feeling in the moment, which is get, like a huge thing that I've kind of done along the way as well. So 
taking uh, some time off from unstructured running and then um, just focusing on hydrating as much as possible and uh, reflecting a lot as possible. Um, I think that's the big thing is like I've just been sitting and reflecting and thinking about what I can do better, what I can do better, what can I learn from this? I think like that's the biggest thing. And I know that I posted or I, I'm going to post. I haven't posted it yet. So this is like kind of like a glimpse into the future for me. But if you're listening to this right now, it's already posted. Um, I'm, I made it's so weird to saying I made a post, but I didn't make it yet. But anyways, if you look on Instagram right now, which I have yet to write later tonight, uh, is the, the caption I'm going to put is pain plus reflection equals progress. And I think when you have something not go your way, whether it's a race, whether it's a training cycle, whether it's anything like that, um, it's going to hurt. Um, but if you can reflect on that pain and pull lessons from it, that's how you make progress. And you actually make the most progress in the moments where you feel the most pain. So for me, just sitting in the pain, reflecting on those things, what can I do better? Asking myself these different things. Um, I think it's a big thing that I'm doing. I'm also, again, picked up some books. Um, I downloaded some podcast I'm going to be listening on to just start learning some of the techniques that I need to get better on and ultimately using this time to reflect. Um, and then lastly too is just, you know, enjoying some good food and making sure I'm feeling refueled and ready to go. Um, I know I'll be cracking some athletic brews as well. Um, I love athletic brewing. It's like just the best, like, as you all know, like I'm, I've been sober for over four years, but like, there's something like just rewarding about like cracking like a fresh, um, you know, beer, even though I guess it's a non-alcoholic beer. Um, but man, athletic brewing, they just released this new beer line called like athletic light. Um, I don't know exactly how long it's been around, but like um it's great because it's nice and refreshing and it tastes like a good old light beer without all the alcohol in it and um it's just like nice and refreshing and rewarding and so i'll be cracking over those athletic brews and it's super cool because like i don't have to you know worry about like my sobriety and um you know i can kind of crack a beer with the boys if i want to i know i'm having uh dinner with my one of my good friends on friday shout out scott um so I'll probably be bringing some athletic brews from there, but like, it's a great way too. Cause like, you know, I know I'm not like getting drunk or like putting alcohol in my system and I'm not shaming any of those things, but like, you know, it's, it's a cool little reward without like having the bad side of the reward. So, um, yeah, I'll be cracking some athletic brews as well. Um, and just eating good food and recovering and, um, getting ready to hit it back on Monday. Um, so yeah, that's all the questions in there. I hope this episode was helpful. I know it was like a kind of like an hour and 40 minutes of me just kind of rambling about Black Canyon, talking about my lessons and kind of reflecting out loud. But, um, I know I got a lot of good feedback on my Havelina 100 recap. So I wanted to do one at Black Canyon, especially after a tough day, right? Like, you know, I've been grateful enough to have a lot of wins over the years. So this one was definitely like, a painful moment, but I want to be able to document the process of both the wins and the losses and the failures and the disappointments, because that is the reality of not just ultra running, but life. Like we're going to have great days. We're going to have bad days. We're going to have failures. We're going to have wins. And if we don't document that whole process, like I don't want anyone to think that like my journey is a linear process. It's up and down and that's how it is going to be for everybody. And I'm no different than you. I'm no different than any other human. Um, this is the human element on here. And I think, you know, life becomes a lot more relatable and, and easier to navigate once you realize that you're not the only one facing these things. So I share this just to show you that, you know, this is how I'm managing a really tough race and a really tough situation and something that didn't go my way in hopes that, you know, number one, you can avoid the mistakes that I made. Number two, you also can, you know, like realize that if you have a bad day, like maybe this will help you to, you know, get over those things. And three, ultimately two, um, I just want to continue to document the process. So, 
you know, you can, you know, hopefully take some things away to help you in your own running and racing as well. And if you want to race the Black Canyon 100K, I hope this was super helpful for you. Or if you're looking for any other 100K or Ultra or anything, I hope this was helpful for you. Um, and I would love to hear some feedback on the episode. So always feel free to reach out to me at Joe Corsione on uh, Instagram. I'm always uh, happy to hear some feedback, whether it's good or bad, or you say you freaking hate the episode or you say you freaking love the episode, whatever it is, I'd love to hear it. But regardless, thank you so much for listening into this episode of the Everyday Ultra Podcast, for being such a support. And if you reached out to, to give me some hype or some congratulations or support either before, during, or after the race, um, thank you so much. And even if you didn't, thank you so much for listening. Like seriously, just doing, being here and listening in, that just means the world to me. So just know I do not take it for granted. I'm super grateful for all your support and uh, I'm here to serve you, my friends. So I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, on the next episode of the Everyday Ultra with Anthony Castales. So there you go. A little bit of teaser for the next episode. And remember, my friends, be a better endurance athlete every day and we'll talk real, real soon. Take care and thanks so much for listening.